I'm Kristen Kelly, and this is Mom School. I think the most challenging part of motherhood is the amount of responsibility that you realize that you have. And, you know, we talk about perspective so much in this interview, and perspective can be great as a calming, as bringing you sort of in the bigger picture. But then also, there's the bigger picture can also be really daunting sometimes. I mean, like, wow you look over your shoulder and you're like, oh, I'm the adult here. I'm the mommy. I have to make this decision right now. And I think that that's really hard sometimes because sometimes I just don't know. Ilaria Baldwin is an author, yogi, and co-host of one of my favorite podcasts, Mom Brain. She shares four kids with her husband, actor Alec Baldwin, and they are expecting their fifth baby in September. Now, if you frequently check her Instagram, which I do, you may be wondering how in the hell does this woman look like this with five babies and how does she have so much energy? So I asked her and I've interviewed her in the past. One of the things I've always admired most about her is her candor. She is open and honest, but she also unapologetically sets boundaries, which I think is one of the healthiest things that we can do as women and as mothers. So through our conversation, you'll see that she, without guilt, asks for help when she needs it. We talk about how she does not let the opinions and judgments of other people affect her. We talk about how she prioritizes her self-care and her health, and we talk about mom guilt, the strict diet her family follows. We talk about miscarriage and marriage advice, all of the things. So with no further ado, here's my chat with the awesome Ilaria Baldwin. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm okay. I've never been so excited for a semester to be over. And that includes like when I was in college, like the work, the homeschooling thing is way harder than the hardest school semesters that I had myself. I can't imagine. And you have to do it for three Three. of them, right? Three of them are in a program. Romeo just turned two the other day. So he still wants to have, you know, activities and everything. So he still needs mom. And I live in Cincinnati. So I was able to have my nanny start back again, which has saved my life. Are you able to have anybody help you at all? So, so yes. I mean, we're super, super paranoid about getting sick. I mean, no, Alec with, they always say like over 60, you got to be worried. And he's just turned 62 and mm-hmm. I'm pregnant and your immune system is, is not great when you're pregnant. So we rented a place nearby so that our nanny could come out and help us out. Good, um, And it's been amazing because before that, I mean, obviously you can do it, but you know, it's, Alec has his things that he does with the kids, but they're few. And, you know, he kind of comes in, he's like that typical dad who's going to like rile them up before bedtime and stuff like that. I have to say, you know, it's doable. Of course, you're there, your kids, you can do it, but it made it much nicer. Any mother knows that no matter who's in the house, if you're there, it doesn't really matter. You know, it's like my kids, they will come and they will find me. And also with the schooling as well, I do really feel like this is my job to make sure that they are doing all of their projects. You know, I'm, it's not something where I want to delegate, even, you know, even Alec, he's not doing it with him. So I'm... It's mommy's job. It's mommy's job. And to be quite honest, they listen to me in a different way than they will listen to their father. <laughs> right. So you would say you are like, same as in my family, I am bad cop. And then daddy comes home after work and he's like turning on music and dancing. And I'm like, goodness, I'm probably more the dancer music one and like, we'll have fun, but because we spend so much time together, you develop a rhythm with your kids where they understand limits. 
Whereas like the thing, and you know, Alec and I have made fun of this on our Instagram, like the thing that really will drive me crazy is the rough housing and the rough housing right before bed. Because like a hundred percent of the time it ends badly, not 99%, a hundred percent of the time somebody gets hurt. You know, and I see that it's fun and people tell me this whole thing about boys and that boys need to like be like puppies. And there is something about them. And my daughter was not like that when she was younger. She was not. She would like sit there and, and like draw or like play with dolls. I mean, I know that not all kids are that way, but for some reason as like loose as I am with like, you want to play with this, you play with this, you want to play with that. I don't try to push anything on them. My kids gravitated towards their stereotypes. And she like, just would never even think of like hurting somebody else. And like, where's my boys? They literally just like my one year or two year old now, he screams, fight, 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 fight. And I'm like, oh my God, out of that, I don't know how many words, you know, one of them is fight, but like, Alex, is fight. Alex will encourage that. And I'm like, ah, oh. and then I have to like break it up and I have to sit them all down. Alex included and, like with my finger, like we don't fight. We are a non-harming family. Everything is namaste. So no, it's a bit of what you were talking about. And then there's also just like, I want to be fun and we do things, but at the same time, like there's times to do it and there's times to not do it. Yeah. Mom keeps everybody in line, right? In line. Yes. Got to have the whip in hand. So you mentioned something that I've always admired about your parenting. You let your kids gravitate towards what they want to gravitate to. And in your case, Carmen likes the dolls and dresses and the boys yell fight. Was this something you talked with Alec beforehand? You mean raise children? No. (laughs) I mean, I met Alec in February of 2011. We moved in with each other. He asked me to move in with him like, I don't know, three months after Four seconds later. Yeah, no, I mean, we moved in with each other so quickly. Then we got married the following June, like a year and change after knowing each other. And then I got pregnant with Carmen like five months after that or something like that. I was 27 years old when I met him. I just turned 27. And then I was 28 when I got married and when I got pregnant with Carmen. I was 29 when I had her. And, you know, as much as I'm happy with the choices that I made, you know, maturity-wise in my head, I wasn't like thinking about like, oh, well, you have to plan this out and plan that out. And I'm such a go with the flow kind of person. And, you know, it all works out. It works well because we respect each other's places, you know, like he knows. And it's like the joke in our family. It's not something that we fight about. It's like, like he'll say something. They're like, we have to ask mommy first because she is the boss. You know what I mean? I like that. Yeah, exactly. And it helps me for him to be like, all right, she's alpha in terms of the parenting thing. And then he gets to be alpha in terms of some other things. And of course we talk and we think about things and stuff like that, but it's not that he doesn't care to do it. I feel like he has respect for me in the way that I'm doing it. And that makes me feel really good. It makes me feel like he tells me all the time, I think you're the best mommy. And of course, like, you know, I know that that's not true, but like, it's nice that your spouse... No, but it's nice that your spouse says that, you know what I mean? Like, it really doesn't matter if anybody else in the world thinks that other than my children and my husband, you know what I mean? Because that's our little unit. You mentioned that you own the parenting thing, that, you know, this homeschooling and all that. How else do you guys tend to split up responsibilities? I'll usually cook, although he'll cook sometimes. He'll do the dishes. He does the dishes. That's great. I saw a picture of him doing dishes. Yeah, no, no, he does the dishes every single night. He does the dishes. That's huge. That's, I mean, that's people. I literally think that people don't understand. Like, like I, what's, what's been so amazing being with somebody going from being not a public person to being a public person. I think people really think that you just become a different species or something like that. And people are like, washes the dishes. Does this. I'm like, what do you think we do? We leave them dirty in there. 
Do you think we have people like coming from all corners? Oh, I'll take that dish. Oh, I'll do this. I'll do that. That's not the life that we lead. You know, even less now in time of quarantine, you know what I mean? Like we've moved to the place where, you know, I have my nanny with me, but other than that, it's not something that we don't pick up after ourselves and we don't do these things. So yeah, no, he does the dishes every day. He's like really good at, he calls it toy patrol. So like when we go out in our yard and the kids are playing and he's very obsessed with, no, the lawnmower is going to break up this or this is going to get stuck in the pool filter. And he's very good. That's your dad comment. Yes, exactly. Like those kinds of things. You can have a nanny right now, which I do so I can work and do what I love, but you're still thinking, does she have the gear for the class? Does she have the school supplies? There's all this kind of like unseen mental work, the mental load that a mom carries. So how do you deal with that? What do you do to take care of you? Because I know that you prioritize your self-care and that's why a lot of women look up to you because we have this mom guilt, mom shame thing we deal with. You know, it's something where I haven't figured out a really great balance while in quarantine because my when my kids are awake, like right now I can have this meeting with you because two of my kids are sleeping. And one of the reasons that it's so interesting with the whole nanny conversation, because people will write to you all the time. And like, this happens to a lot of my friends as well. And you know, whether you're famous or not famous, that people would be like, oh, she has a nanny. And that doesn't mean that you don't take care of your own kids. It literally means I'm also working. I work every single day. And for people to make you feel badly about that, for people to make you feel badly about that is not fair. Neither my family or Alex's family live close. And I have kids right now. My youngest kids are two, three, and four. And I have a seven-year-old. So, you know, it's okay to accept that. And there's no shame that other people should give you because of that. Now, even with an extra set of hands, I don't have the ability to like go off other than the time that I make for work. I don't have the ability to go off and do my own thing during the day. So I put the kids to bed. I cook for my husband and I, he does the dishes. And while he does dishes, I go upstairs into my bathroom and I work out. And even though I, again, I am not a night owl whatsoever. I realize that right now, this is what I have to do in order to move my body. When my kids are awake, forget about it. And I'm also not going to sacrifice my relationship either and not spend that time with him every day, being able to talk and connect and everything over dinner. And when you have had a long day with all these kids and all these dogs and all and a husband and you're pregnant, what do you tell yourself in your mind when I can imagine a part of you wants to go to bed, but you get yes. your butt into your bathroom at 9.30 PM and you move your body to feel good? Is it now just ingrained in you as a habit or do you have anything that you tell yourself to amp you up a bit? The first thing I always say is I never regret doing it. Like ever. And never, ever. I'm not like, oh, you know what? Shouldn't have worked out. You know what I mean? I don't think anyone ever says that. No one's ever said that. No one has ever said that. So I'll have my moments, especially being pregnant and when just the kids are just like destroying me all day long. And they don't, because they're babies, you know? And I'm not a victim. I chose to have all these kids really close together, but, you know, yeah. so I, I take responsibility for it. You know what I mean? It, yes, sure. It's hard, but I'm enjoying it so much. It's never a burden for me. And so when the time comes, if I'm really tired, like two nights ago, I was just so tired. I literally lay down and I said to my husband, I was like, wake me up in an hour and I'm going to wash my face and brush my teeth. Cause I can't even do that right now. I am that wiped out. And you but don't feel guilty when you do that. You're like, I just got to no, do me. Okay. 
you know what? That's part of taking care of yourself too, is sleeping. It's not just go, go, go and exercise and do this and do that. You know, you've got to rest a little bit and it's okay to have rest days as well. What I try to think about with my exercise is I try to not take off two days in a row. Okay. The amount of exercise that I'm doing, I mean, it depends on your training schedule. There's different things. If you're training really hard right now, I'm not training really hard because I'm five and a half months pregnant, you know? So I'm trying to be more gentle with my body. So the exercise that I do can be done every single day, but it's okay if I'm tired and I want to take a day off, but it means that the next day I don't take off. I like that. That's a good guideline. It's a good guide. Don't take off more than one day unless you're training really hard. You know what I Um, feel like you have really good perspective. Like you say, I had these kids. I chose to have these kids. People are going to say, don't have a nanny. You have the people are going to say a million things, especially when you're in the public eye, but you just kind of have this ability to step back and just look at it for what it is. They're little right now. It's going to be hard today, but you say it never feels like a burden. No, it's not. I mean, and I was very public last year about my miscarriages that I had. They're such little blessings. And I never want to look at them, you know, with the heartache that I experienced. And even before that, I had this gratitude that I live with every single day for how lucky, you know, how lucky I feel I am. And I look at my kids and even when they're driving me nuts and trust me, it happens. And even if I lose my temper and trust me, it happens. I just take a really deep breath. And I think of this little person that is my little person and how we get to have this bond, this amazing relationship. And then I kind of chill out in a moment. I'm like, all right, I'm take a deep breath and I'm going to just calm it down a little bit. And that really helps. It is about perspective. I wrote this book, the living clearly method. And the first oh, you did. Part of the method. Oh, Oh my goodness. You're so perfect. I read this on my honeymoon three years ago. <laughs> As she like brings what? it out of frame. <laughs> no, really. Um, I read this in my honeymoon three years ago. And oh my I, gosh, amazing. I know. I took one of your yoga classes at Yoga Vita also years ago and you kicked my ass. But it, was, <laughs> it was so good. It was so oh, good. Well. And you never regret a workout. You're right. You never regret a workout, but the first part of the method is perspective. Yeah. Because when we get that tunnel vision and we're so stuck in something, we need to step out of it and we need to say, all right, this is me stepping back. I'm looking at the situation and I'm getting clarity. Then you calm your body down, which is the rest of the four steps. And then you are capable of being strong and solving the problem. And, yeah. and that's, you know, that's how... And that goes for like with kids, that goes for marriage. I mean, for me, I honestly, you say something in here like, you zoom out, right? You're in this moment, mm-hmm. your kid's pissing you off. Everybody's screaming. The dog's barking. Someone peed on the ground. Yes. <laughs> Breathe, <laughs> zoom out. You're in charge of your own behavior. I am responsible for what I do and what I say and how I behave. And I'm always trying to make the situation better and not worse. Do mm-hmm. I always do it? No, but I attempt, <laughs> I attempt to do it. And through attempting, through practicing it, you can more and more you know, get it right. And the same thing with, you know, how other people look at you in the public eye. And by the way, whether you have three followers or you have 3 million followers, Mm -hmm. it's the same thing. It's other people looking in on your life and having some sort of judgment. And maybe it's a good judgment and maybe it's not a good judgment, but ultimately it is you and your family, you and your home and your conscience and how you feel about yourself that really, really matters and what you know to be true. So when these same people say these things to you, you know, again, regardless if you're famous or not famous, reach inside, have perspective, reach inside and be like, wait, is that actually true? Because if it doesn't ring true, dust it off. It doesn't really matter. And what is your quarantine marriage advice? Because 
We all need some of that right now. (laughs) I mean, we've definitely had some, not in terms of our marriage, but just in terms of stress, in terms of just like rough moments where, you know, on both of our sides, you know, we have days where this feels really hard and scary and frustrating. And it's a grieving process because we had a certain life and a certain routine. And all of a sudden, quite quickly, it got shaken up and shut down. And we had to figure out something new. And that's for every single person in the world. (laughs) It's not just here. It's everywhere in the whole world. And, you know, we'll have days, you know, I'll have days where it makes me cry and that I miss, you know, this morning I was thinking, I was like, I miss my old life. I really do. And my kids will ask mommy, when can we go back to school? Mommy, when can we see our friends? When can we go back to gymnastics? All of these things. And it's really hard. The answer is, I don't know. I don't know. And, and that's I, okay for that to be the answer sometimes. And that's okay for that to be an answer, but it's a hard answer when oh, yeah. mommy does not know the answers. And, you know, for ourselves, you know, also just trying to figure out this new way. And for me, my motto right now is we just can't get sick. We can't get sick. If we get sick, if I get sick, how am I going to take care of my family? What am I going to do pregnant and sick? If my husband gets sick, how is he going to take care of us? And how are we going to take care of him? This virus has a different effect on every single person. So I think that amount of stress of, oh my God, we have to go get gasoline. Do we Clorox our car? All this stuff that we never thought of before. And it just adds a whole nother level of stress. So I think the most important thing in terms of marriage advice is realizing that this is an everybody problem. Everybody is dealing with this. And so give yourself a little break. There's no reason that any of us should be good at this because it's really, really, really hard. And then once you give yourself a break, you can be more forgiving of the people around you. As long as everybody's staying safe and staying you know, level-headed about the thing and not being hard on each other. And then also reminding yourself, this is not going to be forever. You know what? I don't care what people say. I refuse to believe that this is going to be forever. And I try to read less news I'll check in briefly on the news a couple of times during the day. It's mostly just to see if there's any like hope out there. Like yesterday, I read that they had some great like vaccine trial and something. I was like, fantastic. <laughs> That's a piece of good news because it's some sort of end insight. And they say something about January. I'm like, great. You tell me January, we will do this really well until January. But it's all about staying safe and getting out of this. I read your recipes in here and I'm wondering what's like a Baldwin menu for the day. What will your kids eat? So my kids usually have oatmeal in the morning or some kind of cereals. I like to start their day off like that. Saturday and Sunday are treat days, which means that they eat their healthy food and then we bake something. Pre-quarantine life, that meant that we get to go out and buy like a muffin or a bagel or whatever. And they get really- You didn't realize how good it was to do that. Yeah, they get to choose essentially whatever they want. We typically are dairy-free at home purely because I think that that's a healthy way to eat, not because anybody has an allergy to it. We don't eat meat. Occasionally, we eat fish, which is a meat, but other than fish, we don't eat other meats. Alec won't eat meat and the kids don't eat any chicken nuggets. No, No, they've never had it. My kids have never had chicken or any other. They've had very, very little fish, but other than that, they've had nothing. And Alec actually... People credit me with that change, but Kim, his ex-wife, she is a big animal advocate and he stopped eating red meat when he met her. So he's been like this for a really, really long time. And it's definitely not me that turned him that way. I've gotten him more off of dairy when he's with me. You know, occasionally he'll eat poultry when he's out. When he's with me, he won't. And I have no idea how to cook it. So we 
don't have that at home. I'm trying to eat more plant-based. It's hard because it's a convenient thing. And it's also like, I feel like I'm inconveniencing people when I'm out. And I flipped to a page in your book last night as I was reading, because I knew we were having this conversation. And you, it was like, the universe sent me this passage that I needed in this moment. Like you're not eating for other people. You're eating for yourself. Who cares what they think? So like you go out with your kids or you go out to dinner and you're at a gala. Oh, I don't want to eat that. I'm like, oh, I don't want to be a pain in the ass. But it's like, you don't have to feel like crap later. I do. Exactly. You don't eat for other people. You eat for yourself and for your own well-being or your own enjoyment, by the way. Because food, just like we have our treat days, food should be enjoyed as well. So I never feel like I have to apologize for the way that we're eating. We're not hurting anybody. I just fed the kids lunch. Yeah, um, what they have? We do eat eggs. So I scrambled some eggs and I made it almost like an omelet. I, so it's just like, I put it in and I put some olive oil and I flip it over and then I cut it into four pieces. They each get one of the little four pieces. I make them like little sandwiches. You know, some of them like the sandwich with beans, some of them like with peanut butter, some of them like it with some like non-dairy cheese. My kids are obsessed with tofu. I'm like the one mother who'd be like, I tofu. wish you would eat less tofu because that's what you want absolutely every single day. You'll have, you know, like, you'll just like fry up, well, not fry, but you really cook up yeah, some tofu yeah, in a you pan. Saute, you saute, so put a little olive oil. I cut tofu up into inch and a half pieces. And then I lightly saute both sides. And then I cut them up into little squares and they give it to them. And I water down a little bit of like tamari or soy sauce. And they like to dip it and they eat that. I make them drink a green smoothie every single day that has this it's a pea-based protein powder. It's called Orgain and it's chocolate flavor because we I've call it that and I will not be a liar. <laughs> and I put either kale or spinach in there, a coconut water and one banana and some peanut butter or almond butter. And so then they'll drink that. I make kale chips and broccoli in the oven. They'll eat those. Some of my kids are a little bit more adventurous than some of my other kids. So there's a little bit of tweaking. What's your go-to coffee? treat on treat day? What do they choose usually? Right now they're into cinnamon buns. We oh my get God, my daughter is into cinnamon buns. Just got into cinnamon buns and they're obsessed with it. I mean, who's not, I guess. And then I felt like I was being super cool and making banana bread. And then I see all these memes on the internet about how it's like the lazy thing to cook. And I was like, guys, have you tried my banana bread? Because my <laughs> banana bread is really good. <laughs> Will you share that recipe? Because I'm trying a lot of banana bread recipes. I'm not getting it not, right. Yes. I'm I definitely not getting it right. I had Carmen and I drank no coffee. I had Rafa and I drank decaf. I had Leo and I drank half-calf. Romeo, I just <laughs> whole thing, but only one a day because that's what you're allowed to, on my sheet of paper that my doctor gives me every single time you're allowed to have one cup of coffee. And with this one, I'm having one cup of coffee. And I have to say, I wake up every single morning and I get so excited for my cup of coffee. So I that's do the same thing. Like, and when I was good. pregnant, I, I mean, there were definitely days I had two and then I was like, God, I can't do that. I can't do that. But I've had two cups of coffee before and it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Everyone's going to live. What is your coffee of choice? I'm such a New Yorker where I go and get coffee every single morning. Yeah. Um, but obviously we are not doing that anymore. That was like, I have to say one of the hardest, like silly things of the silly side. There's like the oh, very silly you. side of the pandemic. And then there's like the silly side of like your nails and your coffee and stuff like yes. that. It was like, I love going out every single morning. I'll get my kids off to school and then Romeo and I'll go out and get a cup of coffee and he'll get like a little baby Chino yeah. at this place called Madman Espresso across the street from us. So now we have Nespresso. And they have the vanilla flavored ones, the little capsules, and they have like these little lines on it, like vanilla flavored. Then I have the whipper of the milk and I'll put hemp milk in it with a little bit of vanilla extract and I'll whip that in it and I mix it and it's like the most delicious thing in the world. I have a two and a half year old daughter and I'm already thinking about these things, but she'll want to eat fruit snacks or gummies or 
burgers or whatever she wants to eat. And I tell her that it will make her tummy hurt. And I don't know if that's the right thing because I want to be instilling like healthy values in her around food. And I want her to not have any fears or phobias around food. I want her to have a healthy mindset around it. I mean, she's little, but Carmen's young too. So the idea is, you know, that most of food is supposed to be to nourish you. It should taste good, but it should be to nourish you. And it's not a bad thing to tell kids, I don't believe, that if you eat too much of this, you will feel sick because that is what will happen. Or their bodies can get sick if you eat too much of it. And even if you get used to that feeling of being sick, as so many people do, that's not a good thing. That being said, that it's super fun to eat gummies and it's super fun to eat all these other things. And as long as you eat a good amount of them, like not too much, then it can be a fun experience. And to teach kids balance, and we think that balance is so hard to find, such a hard thing to strike. But ultimately, kids are so smart and kids are such sponges right now that when they're little, I mean, they can just absorb, they're a dry sponge when they come out and they just start absorbing. So those handful of years when they're really absorbing the most is really important. And to teach them, hey, you know, it's really fun. I love to eat cake too. I love to eat all of these things. We want to make sure that we eat just a little bit of it so that we can continue to eat more of it. Because, you know, I mean, you and I know that if you eat too much of sugar, then eventually you may develop diabetes and then you can't eat it anymore. And that's not fun. Right. You make a good point. Like, yeah, it might sound a little scary. Oh, your tummy's going to hurt, but your tummy is going to hurt. So, but then you'll allow them those moments. Like we go to a birthday party. Okay. You can go and try this, or you can go do that. I'll allow them to have those certain things. And then if they don't feel well, we talk about it. Like, Hey, you know, it's not bad that you ate that. However, this is how it feels and allowing them to have that experience as well. And then they start to make those choices. I was so strict with my daughter, who was obviously my first. And my pediatrician said to me, she's like, Ilaria, she's going to eat something sweet every single day. That's probably going to happen. And so we make a big deal about dessert. We make a big deal about it's so exciting dessert. We have to eat our food. And I don't believe in this whole thing that people say to you, oh, don't say you can't have dessert if you didn't eat your dinner. You know what? You can't have dessert if you can't eat your dinner. That's just the way that it is. And that's okay because you're teaching your kid that you have to fill yourself up. And it's not a punishment. It's that you have to fill yourself up with good things and treat your body well in order to have a little bit of a treat afterwards. And I live the same way. I'm not going to go out and have treats if I haven't done right by my body. And teaching your kids that is okay. And so the kids get so excited. This is what I want to have tonight, or this is what I want to have tonight. And they know the quant, they negotiate with me. I'm going to have three things. And I'm like, yeah. All right, what are those three things? We talk about the size of them. It's this whole I thing. I saw that somebody stole Carmen's Pez. Okay, let her oh have a few Pez. <laughs> <gasps> oh my God. It was, that was so hard because then I'm literally like lying to hers to like avoid a fight with them. And then, and then he, he ratted you out. Time and he's like, Carmen, I ate all your piss. And I was like, go away. <laughs> <laughs> you go away. And I'm like, I don't even know what the right thing to do was in there. But you know what? We ordered like a two pound bag of Pez on the internet. And it's oh. here. And there's enough strawberry Pez to last us really, really, really long time. <laughs> Good. So if you go out to dinner with the kids and you look at a kid's menu, what do you order for the kids usually? I don't often order from the kids menu, to be honest. I usually order from the regular menu because typically on the kids menu, it's macaroni and cheese, which the cheese, they, yeah, exactly. They won't eat. It'll be chicken nuggets and all this different kind of stuff. So we just typically don't do that. With my kids, I said that they eat fish sometimes so that maybe that's the opportunity for them to have a little bit of salmon 
or, you know, we talk about brown rice or we'll order the broccoli or something like that. Can I tell you something? I don't love bringing my kids out to dinner. Yeah. It's really like a not fun experience. I have two and it's horrible. It's pretty horrible. It's pretty horrible. So we'll do it like an occasional thing. And because it's occasional, maybe that's a time when they're like having pizza and like doing something, but it's not something that we do often. I mean, my kids are also New Yorkers. So maybe I'll take like one on one out for a date, but the four of them out at the same time, it's just, they don't want to do it. They want to be running around. So I'm like, why am I going to set us up for an experience where we're paying a lot in a New York restaurant For my kids to be miserable, for us to be miserable, like I'm just not doing it. I don't blame you at all. A lot of women that I have spoken with liken the quarantine and being isolated to postpartum depression or having maternal mental health flashbacks of being alone and you don't know when this is going to end. And did you ever experience any sort of baby blues, postpartum mental health? I can't say from, I mean, I've been on mom brain on my podcast. I've been really lucky to connect with an even wider audience of mothers and community of mothers. And for the women who have had true postpartum, I can't say that I've experienced that. Do things get hard and emotional after having a baby? Yes. I mean, with quarantine, it's really, really hard. And I think about, you know, I'm doing September and what's that experience going to be like? I was talking with my OB to go in to see him the other day. I go in with a hazmat suit on, literally my hair is covered, goggles. I mean, I'm the oddball. Be like, I literally look like a crazy person. But at the same time, I don't know what to say. Like my thing is, again, don't get sick. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, you probably will labor with a mask on. You know, we'll get COVID tested there. I'll go get COVID tested, you know, hopefully he'll be able to be there. Maybe not. I mean, you've heard stories about that and I don't know what the situation is going to be like in September. And then, you know, the experience after having a baby, everybody always gets scared that their little baby's going to get sick. I remember my pediatrician saying to me the first time, your one job is that the baby cannot get sick. And imagine Big that. Job. Right, exactly. Imagine that right now for mothers with new babies, especially first baby and how nervous you are on the first time around. And with COVID running wild right now. So, I mean, it's, I personally have not experienced it, but I feel like, you know, obviously it is something very real. And what I've learned from the mothers who have talked to me about it is just speaking to people and talking about it and seeking help is the most important thing. There's no shame. And it really is something that you can come out of, you know, talking about that perspective is something that you can come out of, but it's hard to do alone and you shouldn't have to do it alone. It is hard. And I love that, you know, you'll say, no, I haven't experienced it, but it's a real thing and ask for help. My son, Raphael was born a month early and he was six pounds, seven ounces, which is, you know, a good size baby for being born (laughs) on time. But the cord was wrapped around his neck and he came out and he wasn't crying and they had to give him like, you know, the little extra like baby wrap. It It was very upsetting. He was okay. And I got to hold him after they got him to cry. But then he was in the NICU. They they put a tube down his throat for, I don't even, to be honest, it was such a blur. I don't even know how long. It was much less than a day. I got to hold him hours after he was in there. And then he was a little jaundiced. So he had to be under the lights. And I got to stay with him because he was only in there for a couple of days. But during, I was very focused on the time that I could go to be with him. And I would be very, you know, it would be like every hour and a quarter that I was allowed to go and see him. And I would be like very punctual. I will be there. I'm going to be waiting by the door. And I'm going to hold my baby. I'm going to rescue my baby. And 
they had the mental health practitioners, I mean, probably psychiatrists come up and check on me, or I don't know, even know who it is, social work. I don't right. remember. So many people. Like, how are you feeling? Are you feeling like hurting yourself? Are you feeling like hurting your baby? And I could not for the life of me figure. I was like, no, I just want to go see my baby right now. And then one of them, after coming up for the fourth time, said, you know, postpartum depression is a very real thing. And I was like, oh, that's what you're talking about. I was like, oh no, I don't have that. I feel, I feel, I feel okay. I just am very worried about my baby right now. So it is this thing where it's hard to pinpoint what exactly it is and you being nervous and emotional and ups and downs and crying and your hormones and everything that you've been through. And then the responsibility of taking on another life, or if really there is a hormonal imbalance that is causing you angst. So it it is very tricky, but no, I do remember in that time, but that was the first time it started coming on my radar and they're like, Oh, they're still checking me. They're checking me to make sure that I'm okay. And then well, some the- hospitals don't check. So that's good. I guess in I New York, they, they- because of the circumstances of his birth, because they haven't checked me with any of the other ones. So I think it really, really was that when these things happened, they probably, I mean, I don't know. I never ended up asking them, but that was my guess. Yeah. Well, that's good. The most challenging part of motherhood and the most rewarding part of motherhood. I think the most challenging part of motherhood is the amount of responsibility that you realize that you have. And, you know, we talk about perspective so much in this interview and perspective can be great as a calming, as bringing you sort of in the bigger picture. But then also there's the bigger picture can also be really daunting sometimes. I mean, like, wow, you look over your shoulder and you're like, oh, I'm the adult here. I'm the mommy. I have to make this decision right now. And I think that that's really hard sometimes because sometimes I just don't know, you know, and you're supposed to know. I mean, I remember when I was little, of course you look at your adults and you're like, well, they know. And then eventually you realize that they don't know everything. And that's like a big shocker. But right now with my little kids, I'm supposed to know. And so I think that that is extraordinarily daunting is that moment of, you know, like with this whole COVID thing, I am responsible to keep my family safe right now. And to sometimes make some really hard decisions. And I hope that I'm doing it well. So I would say that's the hardest part. The most rewarding part is just this amazing bond that you can have. You know, we all look back at our own childhoods or we look at how other people, when we talked about judgment earlier on and there's good judgments and bad judgments. And then there's the judgments that are not necessarily aimed to either hurt or elevate certain people, but simply to learn from. I'm going to look at this and be like, okay, I see the way that this person is doing it. And I think in my family, it would work better this way. So to be able to craft that and craft your own experience of motherhood and childhood and relationship with your person, if you have a person and realize that I am the creator of that as much as they are, of course, it's an equation. It's all of us together, but ultimately we can all do this together and we can create an amazing life. And when you look at your kids and you're like, wow, my kids are really happy. My kids are really, really happy and we have a deep relationship. They feel they can come to me and tell me things and I can be open with them and I don't have to pretend like I know everything all the time. I'm trying to get over that. We can just have like this really like free-flowing relationship that is so rewarding. You are one wise woman. I want you to be my mom. I'll come be your mom. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. And um, add to my brood, right? <laughs> I know, like as if you need one more person. To, well, you do have one more person coming September. I think you said on a live, you were not going to find out the gender this time. You know what? You started this whole like talking about planning. Did Alec and I plan 
you know, how we were going to parent and stuff like that. And like, no, I didn't take one birthing class. I didn't plan any of this. Never thought I'd want to have so many kids. Like if you asked me this, I'd be like, go away. <laughs> really? If yeah. I told oh you God. five years, well, how old's Carmen? Six? Carmen is going to be seven in August. Oh my gosh. So no. if I told you 10 years ago, you're going to have five kids, three dogs, and one pandemic, what would you tell me? I'd be like, go take a hike. <laughs> 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 You know, even with Carmen, I remember being pregnant with Carmen. I'm like, I, I hope I like her. <laughs> you know, and our two dogs are older than her. Two of our dogs are. We obviously have our puppy now, but our two dogs. And I was like, I really like our dogs. What if the analogy would always? And I would always joke, we're like, what if we like the dog better than we like the kid? And then of course it changed immediately when she was born. It changed for me. And that nervousness. You know, one of my friends, Maria Jacobs, she said to me one of the wisest things I ever heard, which was, "You just haven't met the baby yet." You know, you just haven't met the baby yet. That's good. That's and it was really good. There is this meeting when you meet the baby and it really is that deep. What happened last year changed me in terms of focusing on, on certain that were really exciting. I loved, you know, focusing on, you know, the sex of the baby. And I absolutely love that. And right now I just am realizing I'm going very slow with this experience and being very cautious. And we'll see. Hey, you know what? If we're going to have another boy, then I owe my daughter a little sister. So that's another thing. And then if not, we'll see. But, you know, every single person that has come through me has been an extreme treasure. So I'm I'm just so excited for a healthy baby because last time was horrible. And I want to thank you for being so open about loss. I have a very close friend who was going through it at the exact moment you were, and she would always be listening to your stories. And I was like, go read her book. She's just, she's, she'll just calm you down. Like she's just this like calming force of nature. And I bet it's hard to talk about something so sensitive with so many eyeballs on you. Like you say, so many comments, like as if I care what you think about, right. But it helps people. It helps yeah, people. You know, but at the same time, you know, it's so funny because people will look to me and they're like, well, you're helping so many people. And I, I hear what they're saying, but when people like your friend would share to me their stories, I would think you're helping me just as much, you know, and me sharing, I got the chills. I'm not alone. Oh, it was just like, it, it goes it is, both ways. I'm never going to put the responsibility on my shoulders of feeling like I have to pull a big group of people. I can be a good person and be a good example and live my life in a way that I feel is good. But at the same time, I see people just like that all over the place. And I derive my own strength from their examples. And maybe they don't have as many followers. Maybe they're not married to a famous actor, but it doesn't mean that they're not just as inspiring. That helps me every single day, every single day. 